Welcome to the Marshall Proof Podcast and your Week in IndyCar listener Q&A show. Starting this recording at 3.53 p.m. on a Wednesday. What's the big hot thing so far this week? It's Nicholas Latifi. I mentioned that on the show a couple weeks ago, but hey, that's not a problem. (laughs) Yes, Nicholas Latifi. He's not signed by the Ganassi team, and Ganassi is the only one that they've spoken to, and there's no guarantee anything will happen, but, you know, uh, there are talks happening. So we'll see if and where that goes. If you haven't, you might pay a visit to racer.com latest IndyCar Silly Season update actually spells out a lot of stuff on the Ganassi side. A lot of things beyond our uh, our fine young Williams F1 driver from Canada. A couple other moving parts as well. A couple things I put in the Silly Season update and then pulled out because I actually decided, you know, I'm going to develop those as standalone stories. So, uh, I tell you, y'all, here we are steaming towards the end of October, and there's still plenty of movement going on, plenty of things. I can tell you I have spent the majority of the week on the phone to uh, a surprising number of folks, way busier than I expected. All positive. I also spent about 45 minutes on the phone yesterday with Zach Brown, had a good old catch-up, and uh, yeah, So, all kinds of fun stuff happening. A lot more stories to write here. Once we're done with this, going to speak to young, new USF 2000 champion Michael D'Orlando. Hopefully put a story together we've been meaning to do for a little bit. Then jump into our Hashtag Racing Family show on Twitter Spaces. And when we're done with that, I think I have two articles to write for Road and Track. And then maybe I will get started on a feature tomorrow, uh, an IndyCar-related one for Racer. So, yeah, that's the majority of what I have to share with you for a little update. Why don't I say a huge thanks to y'all for the questions you sent in. Our pal Jerry Suddeth says we have almost 2,000 words worth of questions. Also to Cooper Tires, really awesome to see their increased role with the uh, new USF Championships, renaming here of uh, what we've traditionally called the Road to Indy. Uh, I did ask IndyCar about that. I know our pal Cassie has a question on what do we call this stuff now? What's going on? So I'll get to that here in just a short, short amount of time. But want to say big thanks to Cooper Tires and the Justice Brothers, as always, and then our extra quadruple friends north of the border torontomotorsports.com pay them a visit if you enjoy your racing merchandise and memorabilia all right y'all uh why don't we kick off with what has become kind of sort of the traditional start to the show (laughs) (laughs) the dumbest thing ever that has yet to fail to amuse me uh, why don't we go with our pal Ian Keyworth. Ian, you say, Marshall, what was your most unexpected, air quote, news story of the 2022 IndyCar season? You say, me personally, and he inserts a smile. So there we go. We know you're in on the double double redundancy. Sure. Joke. He says, uh, the whole Polo signing for two teams thing, that was his biggest most unexpected story. Uh, yeah, I mean, come on, man. Are we going to beat... 
Hey, uh, the, the IndyCar polygamy, right? I mean, aren't there like shows dedicated on Discovery or the History Channel or whatever of, uh, yeah, a person with more than one spouse? How could that not be the biggest, craziest story of the year, followed by all of the acrimony, all of the back and forth there, it going legal, a guy being sued by his current team and continues to compete in the car and ends up winning a race for them? Uh, Yeah. How is that going to be topped? Well, let me rephrase that. I hope it's not topped, but could that be topped? I don't know. Uh, I try and look at all that stuff, Ian, with a bit of a sarcastic, snarky eye. That's my view of most things in life. I'll admit that while it did offer some amusement, and I might have even had a fever dream and wrote about that fever dream about all that took place, <sighs> I, I really was not a fan of it at any point in time. I know that some others in my profession were. They loved it, the drama and all that kind of stuff. <sighs> Probably because I'm not a, quote, real reporter, real journalist. I'm not somebody who came from journalism school and, right, I came from the paddock. I probably look at this in a slightly different way. The racing paddock in general has been my life since I was a teenager. And so I think of it in a bit of a protective sense, right? I want it to be okay and healthy at all times, etc., etc. And so, uh, at least for hashtag me personally, um, it happened, it went down, it ended up in a, a happy resolution, I guess, or somewhat happy resolution. But yeah, it made me sad because I just don't want to see the sport that I've loved my entire life and have dedicated my entire life up till now and the future to uh, to really be uh, eating itself. So, yeah, that was a pretty big one. Uh, if we talk about what comes after that, uh, Chevy's resurgence for sure. Uh, the impact of one person, Ray Gosselin, on changing Chevrolet's competitive future with his approach to getting Chevy and Ilmore to tailor the, the engine mapping, the performance, how the motors perform, to really tailor those to each driver, which they'd always been hesitant to do, and how that, coupled with the off-season gains they made, just took them to a totally different place with success in winning the championship, manufacturer's championship, driver's championship. Uh, that would probably be the second one. The, <laughs> Not like you can predict a double driver signing coming along. So that was just so far out of left field, like who would have thunk? But in terms of the normal things that we expect to happen, that I and I think many others were blindsided by, for sure that answer would be Chevrolet, Ray Gosselin, Ilmore Engineering, just mollywhopping Honda. So, yeah. Uh, thanks for the uh, the great opening question. Andrew Drybelbis, I know uh, Atlantic Cat 99, you also asked a similar question. And you say, what the heck is going on with Indy Lights? And you say, is there a new name pending? I think I mentioned this on the show a while ago. I, I feel like I might have even put it in print somewhere that, yes, uh, I 
don't have a confirmation that it's happening. I do have a really strong feeling, though, that in the coming weeks, maybe before the end of the year, we should be prepared for a uh, switch to, as I have heard it, IndyCar lights. Um, Indy F2. Uh, what else should we come up with? Uh, Indy just below F1. Indy F0. No, sorry. None of these ideas are good. But yeah, I've heard IndyCar lights is something that they're wanting to do, have been wanting to do, all to differentiate themselves from the use of the Indy name in the uh, three tiers, or I shouldn't say three tiers, uh, used on the tiers below uh, on the American open wheel ladder system. Wanted to make sure that, again, there's no way any of that could be confused. So, um, yeah, I uh, think that's coming for sure. Just can't tell you exactly when. So anyways, let me get back to the rest of your question. You say, just when the car counts start to get back to where they need to be, scholarship money is pulled and a massive rift appears to have opened up with the rest of the ladder series. So underlying question, what the heck is going on? I don't have a good answer for this. I, I know the answers to what have happened, what has happened, and I think what will happen. But I am struggling to give you an answer on the genesis for these changes. None of the changes make sense to me. For those who aren't aware, through 2021, when the Indy Light Series was administered by Anderson Promotions on behalf of Penske Entertainment, the last year of that, there was a $1.2 million advancement prize awarded to the Indy Lights champion. Um, the breakdown of how that was paid for, really straightforward. IndyCar put in 500000 That's something IndyCar has put in since 2014 when IndyCar asked Anderson Promotions to please take over the running of Indy Lights. Started in 2014, 500000 continued through 2021. The rest of the money, the other, quote, half, is put in by Anderson Promotions and often Anderson Promotions partners helping with that whether that was Mazda, which Mazda stayed with the road to India, I believe, through 2018. Uh, Cooper Tires, again, a variety of folks helping in some capacity to come up with that million-dollar advancement prize as it was back when it first came out in 2014, grew to 1.2. Uh, I, I know that the Anderson Promotion side really were, though, the ones paying the vast majority, if not all of it. That's what I've heard, at least. So... Last year, that would have been $720,000 put in by Anderson Promotions. With Penske Entertainment taking Indy Lights back, they own it, right? It was part of the purchase. Uh, the, the George family, uh, they owned Indy Lights, uh, Infinity Pro Series, as it was back in the day. But they own that property, came with the sale. Roger Penske, not a fan of others having control of things that he owns. So... Obviously, it took a couple years for him to buy the series, buy the Speedway, get settled in. Once got to a place where he felt had the main stuff running in the way that he wanted, then said, okay, going to take Indy Lights back. Did that. 
expectations. Uh, there's a, a statement made by Indy Light's new leadership at last year's Chris Griffiths test going on this weekend, by the way. So pretty much one year ago uh, this week, there were comments made, promises made, if you want to call it that, to the Indy Lights team owners, to all those involved in a meeting introducing the new leadership that the existing, the current 1.2 million advancement prize would either stay the same or increase. And that was not delivered upon. Uh, indeed, what happened is IndyCar put in the same 500 grand they had for all the years before, and the void left by no longer working with Anderson Promotions was not filled in as promised. And so Linus Lundqvist, to his great surprise and his team's great surprise, at the uh, the awards banquet after Monterey, didn't get 1.2, got 500,000, which, again, that's <laughs> more than most of us make per year, multiples of what most of us make per year. That's obviously not a small number, nothing to scoff at. If we're talking advancement prize, something to really help each new Indy Lights champion to get a leg up and, and kickstart their IndyCar career, that is something that won't get you very far, if far at all. Um, at 1.2, even that's not a crazy, crazy amount when budgets are now six, seven, eight million a year, but it's a conversation starter. 500,000, not a conversation starter whatsoever. So that's the, the genesis of the issue here for those who aren't aware. There's another thing, and again, I can only tell you about what it was before and what it is now. One of the incentives given during the 2021 championship for the top three finishers in the standings was an IndyCar test. That too, taken away, not continued, however you want to put it. So beyond whatever it was, like a 58% cut in the prize itself, the champion also no longer gets an IndyCar test, nor does those who finish second or third in the standings. So... The main issue here is this, asking about this, getting input and feedback from the series, Indy Light series, uh, from IndyCar as well, there was a real hard emphasis in trying to spin this change. So what happened? $730,000 was the number I was given, might have been seven thirty-five, but that was put into a new prize fund, new race purses. So those who finish in the top four get money. That's great. Problem, though, is that money doesn't go to the drivers. It goes to the teams. So that helps. No argument whatsoever. Uh, would also be honest in saying... Uh, it's not like of the five to six Indy Lights teams that will be competing in the series next year... All five or all six will win races, much less win on a regular basis. It's usually one or two teams that do the vast majority of the winning in any series. IndyCar the same, right? Ganassi, Penske, they won the vast majority of the races last season. We know that Aaron McLaren SP weighed in there. We know that obviously Andretti Autosport got a couple, but just in a general sense, it's usually not 
three, four, five teams all just winning one or two races apiece or three or whatever. Uh, same dynamic in Indy Lights. So what this means is one or two teams did collect and going forward will collect the majority of this prize money. It won't be meaningfully achieved, reached, and what not to benefit the other teams. So it's pretty much giving a lot of money to the haves and not the have-nots. Okay. But the big issue here and the whole spin that was given to me multiple times when asking about this, and I pardon my, my French, but I told him it was bull bleep every single time, was great. Glad to hear you're incentivizing things for your teams to earn prize money if they finish well. But taking the funds to help graduate your next champion and the champion after and the champion after, you're effectively orphaning those champions unless they also happen to be the best driver in Indy Lights and wealthy. Very few teams right now, zero teams right now, to be clear in IndyCar, are looking for a massively talented young driver to step right into a car and off you go. I know last season, the 2021 Indy Lights champion Kyle Kirkwood was able to take his $1.2 million to the Foyt team, which had sponsorship already. It certainly helped land him the ride. His talent certainly helped get him over the edge. But Kirk showing up with five hundred grand would not have gotten the ride. Linus, this year, this coming season by chance right now, at least so far, of the few remaining seats available, uh, there's nothing for him. The only real hope is for Hunkos Hollinger Racing to decide to pay for their second expanded entry, which so far they've shown very limited willingness to do. They're really looking for someone to pay for that. Just getting to the point here that great to hear that you want to make your entrance wealthier help some of them potentially i get that not every indie lights entrant is wealthy don't get me wrong but for the folks who tend to be the poor of the entrants who could really use that prize money they'll never see it because they're finishing fifth or sixth or fourth and hey maybe they pick up five grand here ten grand there it's nothing that's going to really change them or get them to indycar the problem here and this just comes back to the not understanding this andrew is just how short-sighted this is. Where the Anderson Promotions Group do a phenomenal job of awarding their champions and giving them either all or close to enough to get them to the next step, solve the majority of the funding puzzle at least, to all of a sudden say, hey, great, we've got much bigger grids coming and we've got a bunch of new teams or expanded teams, all things that are really positive happening for the first time in so many years in Indy Lights. But we're now sending a message to the world that, hey, if you win the championship, in terms of what you need to then take the next step, we're going to give you peanuts. Um, I cannot fathom how that reality was not realized by those making the decision because it's not too dissimilar from saying hey study like mad go like heck 
and we're going to get you a master's degree and you're going to graduate and not be able to find a job. <laughs> if that's the message being sent by a university, come to Harvard, spend hundreds of thousands, spend millions on your son or daughter's education. And when they're done and have that amazing diploma, they're going to be living in your basement because they're not going to be able to find a job. Nobody knowing that ahead of time would invest money in their son or daughter going to that university. But if there was a real chance of advancing to a good job, you'll make that sacrifice. How Penske Entertainment has decided that rewarding team owners while leaving the new Indy Lights champ at the proverbial altar uh, and how that should absolutely have a knock-on effect to bring entries down, I don't know how that's missed, Andrew. I just don't. Uh, let's go to our pal mama, G-Force Cassie Johnston. You say, hey, MP, the rebranding of the road to Indy was a surprise to me. Who made the decision there? Penske Entertainment or Anderson Promotions? And what was the catalyst? You say, best of the family, friend. Same to you. Hope you and your daughter and just everybody in your household is super, super, super awesome. Road to Indy, as I understand, is a name. I can't tell you if it's trademarked, blueprinted, uh, watermarked. I don't know the technical way to uh, describe it or the it's not even the technical way the accurate way to describe but as i understand that too is something that belongs to indycar and as a result in this constant reclaiming of things that owned by penske entertainment this is one that taken back and then put away. Uh, did have a call specifically to ask, what's happening? What should I call Indie Lights? I know it's Indie Lights, but it's part of a ladder system. It's now a kind of orphaned part in terms of ownership or leadership. We have Anderson Promotions with their three-tiered ladder system just colloquialisms generally how would i refer to indie lights in and among all of that and was told you know absolutely just call it you know part of the uh, open wheel ladder system ladder system something like that but road to indie that's being put to bed that's going away so as i understand Road to Indy is gone, been uh, officially retired. And so that is where the new naming conventions, the new naming approach here by Anderson Promotions, that's how, why, where, what, you name it, as to what has taken place there. I've seen some others say, hey, this is really confusing. If it is, okay, I, I, get, I don't want to dispute what someone is thinking or feeling but i don't know i that's the part i can't figure out so much because it's not really that much different from what it's been knowing that road to indy has gone away as something to use 
Anderson Promotions has just said, okay, well, we're going to rebrand ourselves as the USF Pro Championships. USF, United States, and then the F is formula. Uh, USF Pro Championships presented by who? Cooper Tires. That's right. Our friends at Cooper Tires. And so what do we have here? Well, they have the new series that they created came out last season i thought was really good appeared to be pretty darn popular and i understand it's going to keep growing uh that is usf juniors same as last year no difference uh that's the first step of the usf pro championship ladder second tier is now usf 2000 again both everything presented by cooper tires usf 2000 no change Same exact name. The one change on this championship tier structure that they have is instead of Indy Pro 2000, they have simply changed that to USF Pro 2000. What is this? Again, this is mentioning, uh, or as I mentioned a little bit with uh, some of the earlier, or the earlier question here, This is an intentional effort to separate indie lights, indie anything when it comes to the Junior Open Wheel Ladder Series. This is a intentional effort by IndyCar, Penske Entertainment, to say, hey, stuff with the name Indy in it, that's ours. Whatever else, that's yours. Name that as you desire, but uh, we're going to need to make a change here to which Anderson Promotions did. So, Indy Pro 2000, same exact series, same exact everything. The only difference, cut the Indy out, so now it's USF. And there's also now standardization there. All three tiers of Anderson Promotions USF Pro Championships all start off with USF. USF Juniors, USF USF F2000, USF Pro 2000. So, yeah. Um, I guess the last thing on this, Cassie, I've been trying to think of anything else that's out there that is owned by IndyCar, owned by Penske Entertainment for them to take back and change in terms of name or whatever else. And I think this is it. I might be wrong probably am but i think this might be the end of it so hopefully that answers all of that uh let's see at well we'll just go with tim because you're uh, sometimes when i have a bunch of condensed words and letters in a twitter handle i don't fully understand what it means um tim say marshall first time question submitter oh that makes me super happy tim um is it ne'er doer of all trades or nerd of all trades i'm not totally sure but regardless thank you tim for uh firing in a question for the first time i love it when y'all do that he says what do you think can be done by indycar to get more engine commitments from suppliers he says do we want too many more entries due to logistics with tracks and such uh would a third supplier be needed oh this is one of those once i can solve the conflict between Israel and 
Palestine. I'm, I'm going to try and then see how I can solve IndyCar's third supplier or fourth engine supplier uh, issue here. Tim, what can be done? I keep mentioning the same thing over and over again, and that is when do we come to a point where, although this no longer fits Penske Entertainment's model uh, because they just appear to be tightening their belt over and over and over again financially but at what point in time does roger penske commission a third engine and work whatever deal is needed with whichever auto manufacturer to put their name on it because as it is i see no manufacturer that is coming to the series and saying hi we not only want to do this, but we're all in. We're willing to commit the approximate $50 million spend spread across five years. That's what IndyCar tells new, new potential manufacturers that you're looking at about a $50 million spend. Do that over five years. Um, that'll get you into the series. That information has been expressed to... A lot of manufacturers, Tim. A lot. And I'm not saying any of this in a critical way of IndyCar, mean, or anything like that. I'm just trying to tell you what's real. This information's been shared with many. Zero have bit. No one's taken a bite. No one said, yep, we're in. Had some who've been very interested, some who've seemingly gotten right up to the edge and then walked back. But I don't think the finances are crazy. Again, if we're talking $10 million a year for five years, that's not a huge amount. If Chevy and Honda were listening, they'd probably laugh at that number and go, hey, that, that's, that's very low. <laughs> and I'm, I'm confident that it is. But <sighs> I sometimes, Tim, think about the tip jar, right? If you've ever worked in a customer service or any of you all do or have worked in a customer service scenario, could have been a restaurant, a cafe, a who knows what sandwich joint and the tip jar. Put that up on the counter in the morning. And what do you do? You don't put in a $1 bill out of your pocket. You put in a five and you put in, if you got two fives, you put in two fives trying to give the impression that hey things are good here folks are giving things are thriving it's not you don't put in quarters and pennies and you don't put in a couple of one dollar bills try and give folks the impression and it's a total lie give folks the impression that hey people are giving and they're generous and so dig deep everything is thriving here if IndyCar has to do that same kind of thing, and I realize I'm spending Roger Penske's money talking about this, but if IndyCar needs to come out of pocket and fake things a bit with that proverbial tip jar, commission Ilmore or Cosworth or HPD or whomever to build another engine super quietly, super privately, and then go and talk to all those manufacturers and more and find one and say, look, we'll split it with you. Whatever it is, let's do this. 
and under penalty of death never talk about how this came together or who commissioned it or who's paying for some of it or half of it just let's do everything to make this look like name your favorite automotive brand that's not an indy car is jumping into indycar and we're given the impression that boy you're doing it and everything's healthy and great and you love it and you want to be here and it's fantastic whatever it takes to give that impression to hopefully then have other manufacturers look at that tip jar go oh look at look at who's in there whatever brand well they got a third well all right someone else has now validated this we're gonna get into it's the best thing i can think of tim to make this happen obviously the dream and it is dream this is dating back to around this time in 2010 i think it was late september early august october maybe it was towards the end of october uh miller and i quote broke the chevy returning to indycar story right so it's been a long time right <laughs> uh obama was in his first term as president right it was a long time ago this is the last time when a real manufacturer came in. Honda was already here, sole supplier. I know that Lotus joined as well. That was a bit of a, uh, we didn't know it was a, a comedy routine at the time, but I'm just wanting to be clear. It's been a really long time since a significant automotive brand said, we are in with you, IndyCar, in this new turbocharged V6 era, and let's go kick some ass and market and promote the heck out of it gotta do something because if it hasn't happened over the last 10 12 years and in theory we now have hybridization to promote as a great new thing that should be relevant to manufacturers maybe you just got to give that impression that uh, one jumped in and keep the method of how it happened totally secret in the hopes that others see that and go ah we got to be there too uh where do we go next yellow mg8 marshall after seeing some indycar veterans on the roval in charlotte any talk of indycars coming to the roval in the near future as i know joseph newgarden tested there joe downer who also says first time questioner thanks joe uh no heard nothing um yeah nothing the it's cool with new garden blasting around there the infield oh, oh yeah it's tight enough and also not in every area but in a, too many areas and also has enough wide to narrow transitions in that infield that if we think nashville produces a lot of crashes oh sweet baby jesus we are going to be talking about a lot of carnage. Yeah, so love the track. Been there many times. Was there in the field running a team during the inaugural uh, IndyCar race there back in 97. Um, been there for the World SCCA World Challenge GT Series racing on the Roval. It's not the one that we see right now, but uh, during the, I think, NASCAR All-Star Weekend been there seen a lot of stuff a lot of fun a lot of cool whatnot um yeah oh 
it just seems like carnage fest if that were to happen joe but um yeah for those who love uh carnage with their motor racing maybe it's the perfect venue zach dean say i can't love pato driving senna's mclaren over the weekend any more than i already do Says, did you ask him about it afterwards looked like he was absolutely flying in that thing was he nervous about wrecking it at all uh, i indeed did zach uh spoke with him yesterday for a follow-up on that that's one of those two road and track things i need to write tonight probably um he yeah happiest happiest guy definitely was leaving some margins of errors knowing that this is truly not just you know a test car a spare tub they bolted together this is the car that senna drove to win the 1990 World Championship at Suzuka, chassis number seven. And I, I happened to watch that race live, as did millions of others. Senna was my guy, absolute favorite driver of all time. Would not say that his method of winning the World Championship by intentionally steering left into Alan Prost and taking him out <laughs> turn one was something to be proud of but this was the car that uh that was part of that famous scuffle he also you could say technically won the championship uh in so oh he was very aware of that uh, i know i've had some folks ask what kind of lap times he did in the car i asked him to because uh, i went home saturday night and he got to do one or two more runs in the car on Sunday. I asked him to either ask the team for lap times or to have uh, their uh, their awesome new PR rep, Lauren Gideon, to uh, to time him. And he uh, fired back and said he was, I think, it did a 1 minute 15.0 or so, which would have been a couple of seconds off of uh, the IndyCar poll here from September, but not too, too far. So, yeah, uh, that story... With a, a deeper dive on all this, Zach will be on road and track here. Should be Thursday. Uh, Andy Bauer says, with the departure of Dalton Kellett from the grid, who is now the nicest driver? Says, my family will miss cheering for him while we were realistic about his chances. That didn't keep us from pulling for him. Well, let's see. If we're talking nicest, and I mean true nicest, not someone who knows how to put on a veneer of someone who's super nice but beneath the surface is a little jerkish i would say simona di silvestro uh is absolutely that person i would say we are losing uh the loss of jimmy johnson would also be the loss of one of the truly nicest, nicest folks. Uh, young David Malukas as well. Uh, kid's a sweetheart, right? Uh, I mean, it's not a lot in life that should trouble him, right? I mean, uh, immensely successful family, able to live his dream. Can't think of much that would lead him to be uh, super grumpy. Um Renus VK, I'll put in there and say, you know, I have only known that kid to just be a sweetheart. He's obviously an animal behind the wheel, but uh, just a, a real genuine sweetheart of a kid. I think who else? Marcus Erickson, just like a really nice guy and a 
phenomenally decent person as well. Um, yeah, I think that's a pretty good assortment right there. Uh, Scott Dixon, too. No, I've mentioned this before, written this many times over the years. He is always the first guy, right? Uh, if there's a need, first guy on the phone. The minute he hears about it. What do you need? What can I do? What You tell me. I'm there for you. Uh, driver gets injured. Uh, he's there. His wife, Emma, is there taking care of whatever they can. Uh, if that driver's in the hospital and, you know, undergoing whatever... They are taking care of the family, spouse, parent, whatever it might be. Um, that's, <laughs> that is something that goes so much deeper than just niceness. Is niceness really something, a word that folks use very often? Sorry, Andy. Um, yeah. How's this? And he's done it. And, and so I speak from experience, but, um, Dixon's somebody where you go, that's a model citizen. Truly a model citizen. So, there's some jerks, for sure. Or those who have jerkish tendencies. Where things, where there's a real kind of divining line here, is selfishness. So there are a number of drivers who are super nice, super sweet on the surface, it's a part of the job. It is not their natural state. Uh, they are very, I'm number one. Um, I'll talk to you and be nice and say all kinds of things that'll make you laugh or smile and sign the autographs and take the selfies and do those things. But this world is truly all about me, me, me. Um, all the ones who I just mentioned do not fall in that category. Uh, let's see, how many more am I going to get through here before... Uh, wow, we got a whole bunch here uh, below the, the cut line of death. Um, tell me if y'all liked last week's uh, LCQ, Last Chance Qualifier show, by the way. Uh, might do another one uh, if you liked it. Uh, we're at... Yeah, I'm going to try and start winding down here. I want to really do my best to do sub one hour shows here during the off season uh so i'm going to scroll to the bottom and work up before i say farewell chris ward you say marshall i know there's been talk of engine leases being limited could a team hypothetically hire judd to bring the lotus back and develop it and develop the heck out of it uh just trying to think of a different approach uh they would not unfortunately there's no independent engine options uh, any manufacturer involved in IndyCar has to be an official manufacturer. Official is another way of saying there's a pretty decent financial arrangement uh, and payment that goes from the manufacturer to the series. Uh, they also obligate themselves, and these are all really positive things, for advertising on TV, sponsoring events, um, you know, decent marketing activations as well. So it does cut out the someone going and, and you know, getting uh, another motor from somewhere else and developing whomever to do that. Uh, Horatio Frey, well, that's sweet of you. You say, no question, just love the show and keep up the hard work. Love to your, uh, your wife and the cats. Thank you. 
Uh, I got no cats for this episode. I think they're all in with my wife. Uh, Steve Bonek, you say I'm resubbing this. MP, uh, with a lack of open seats, lots of people testing, uh, an IndyCar plus Indy Lights Champ, uh, prize money issue. It feels like the momentum the series has may be at risk. I'm concerned. What says you? We're going to be okay next year. Next season, Steve, we should have a pretty stout full season entry list in the high 20s. Still don't know exactly what it's going to be. I know some folks have said they're going to do things with extra entries. And, you know, I just want to make sure that those words are met with reality. But if we aren't at 26, 27, who knows? Maybe even more. I'll, I'll be a little bit surprised. But I think we're okay for next season, uh, without a doubt. I don't even want to get into 2024 yet because it's a much bigger topic. But, yeah. Um, we're going to be okay in the short term for sure. Still trying to figure out some of the longer term stuff. Uh, Dan Rice, MP, I don't have any specific IndyCar questions for you, but I'd like to get some advice on taking photos at the track. Well, you know what I say to that, Dan? (laughs) You say I'm not a serious photographer, but I'd like to get some better looking photos with my phone. What simple tips and tricks do you have for the most casual photographers? Got it. Um, And I apologize if this offends folks, but I don't really give a crap because I'm not actually apologizing. Your phone is not something that is used for photography. You can take pictures with your phone. Being a photographer and using your phone, those are things that aren't actually a real thing in the universe. I know there are folks who do this for a living. I've seen ads on, I think, Instagram of, take my seminar, see, and you'll become a great, iPhone photographer. (laughs) Uh, You're not going to get any action photos with your phone that you're going to be happy with. And if you do, it's just total kind of miracle unicorn thing. Um, But here's a couple of very quick basic things I can mention. Uh, And this isn't specific to using a phone. It's using a proper digital camera, film-based camera, whatever else. Uh, It's super common and super normal for us to see things and then photograph them as we see them with our eyes, meaning at the height of whatever our eyes happen to be. If we're sitting in a grandstand, we tend to look through a viewfinder, kind of wherever our our eyes happen to be at that moment. If you're standing, you'll hold up your phone, you'll hold up your camera and kind of shoot at the height that you are at move your eyes to different levels. That is the thing that tends to produce more compelling imagery. So if you're near a car, at a car, whatever that you like, don't just hold up your phone in front of your face and go click. Squat down. Move to an angle of some sort. Walk around it. Don't stand directly in front of it necessarily and only take that photo or just to the side. Uh, If you can, again, Squat down, move the phone down. Who knows? Move it up. Uh, Try and find, again, some sort of interesting angle. Is there something in the background that will add flourishes to the quality of the photo? Whether it's flower bed, uh, could be a a race car transporter that has some bright colors or who knows what. Just look at what's around you when taking the photo and 
if there are some compelling things to include in the photo maybe it's people a bunch of folks walking by or who knows what um there's one thing i always it's kind of my number one rule uh don't shoot the shitter meaning when you go to the racetrack it seems like there's a lot of portable john's porta potties around uh they don't need to be in your photos so uh yeah if you see the car you see the person in front of you and in the background is a shitter like yeah just move to an angle where it's not there because yeah who wants that in their photo um another or the last thing i'll mention and i realize that for a lot of folks their phone is a vertical thing and vertical only and the photos they take are all portrait yeah uh i take one out of every thousand photos is vertical is portrait uh turn it sideways landscape that's that's real photography imagery cinematography like that wide look with more things in it than not people uh take that photo if you want to then crop in you give yourself options but if everything you take is holding your phone upright uh there's a whole bunch of stuff to the left and the right that would probably be cool to include that just isn't there and therefore there's nothing to crop out because you have for whatever reason i mean you but just in general uh you're going for a very narrow slice of what's in front of you don't do that turn your phone sideways and then again if you want to crop in you can you can still end up with that vertical image um but yeah so those are a couple things uh to try but get a real camera using your phone it's not meant for quote real photography uh brian cone yes a sweet question say who do you see that might be the next you the person you take under your wing mentor and eventually see them soar and you say robin obviously took a liking to you and mentored you in his way who's the next marshal wow i don't know uh robin did uh, have a lot of interesting things that i learned he never once told me do things this way like ever so that was i guess i should i don't know if maybe i've never been totally clear about that but you know robin was the guy telling me how to swing the bat or how to you know it wasn't that kind of thing i just it was learning by observation 99 percent of the time if i had a question every now and then i'd ask specific to what we do as reporters but yeah more than anything it was just his mentoring came through me observing because yeah that wasn't really robin's style uh so again none of that's meant in a bad way just telling you what it was um i don't know uh jack benyon i've mentioned before kid who works uh at the dash race i think that kid's got a lot of talent and a really good eye uh and it's not like he needs any mentoring from me but um i think that kid's hopefully he continues doing what he's doing and i think he's got a pretty bright future not a lot else i would have to offer here um yet brian uh if racer or anyone else uh any of the clients that i have were to bring someone young on board i would answer any and all that they had and i mean they're welcome to observe i don't know if and what there is to learn from me that i do that would be 
of value to observe, but regardless, I don't know is the answer. I can tell you that last weekend at the Velocity Invitational event in Monterey, I was really happy to see a lot of young folks in media vests, and I didn't know what a lot of them did, um, but I was happy to see a lot of youth in my profession because, yeah, there's just not enough of it. So uh, hopefully i have some more words for you on this in the future. Uh, Sam Anadiotis asking if I have any updates on Vassar Sullivan and their potential independent IndyCar program after their split with Dale Coyne Racing. See, I feel like I haven't heard much of late, and it worries me when things like this go quiet in motorsport. Yeah, how's this? There was a Japanese manufacturer that got really close to doing an engine program, and our friends at Vassar Sullivan are aligned with that brand and had that brand come in i don't think there would have been any issue with them being on the grid but knowing that uh, that manufacturer uh, at least for the near future has said they're not ready to come and play uh, i think there's (laughs) there is direct linkage sam between no toyota and no Vassar Sullivan in IndyCar uh, in, yeah, on the horizon. Uh, let's see. Eric Franklin, hypothetical question. Uh, but did the Mario, the McLaren test Mario did, makes you wonder about his capabilities despite his age. Say, so given the following conditions, current car, natural terrain road course, let's say Barber 2023, one full team test day before the weekend, weather is not a factor. Given those conditions, does Mario qualify better uh, then the back row, and does he make it to the end of the race? Uh, I don't think he would be any higher than the back of the grid, and I don't think he'd make it to the end of the race. That's just... You have a car that is so tough to drive, physically draining, physically. It's not something that even some of the 20, 30, 40-year-olds who train constantly are able to stay on top of and give 100% from the first lap to the last lap. So I would, unless Mario went on some sort of insane six-month-long training program at 82 years old to try and get into that kind of shape, it would be tough to see how he would get into shape to be able to do that. Uh, also, considering his somewhat sl- uh, smaller, slight stature, I think we got, yeah, that would be a pretty tough thing to do, brother. Um, Speed-wise, you know, again, the the way that lap time is produced in this 2022 latest whatever edition of uh, a Delara DW12 IndyCar happens to be, it comes from ragging the living you-know-whats out of it. It is just being abusive, chucking that car around, being very physically aggressive with the car. Again, uh, barring Mario getting into, you know, Iron Man shape at 82, I think that's just where lap time would be left uh, on the table. Different than if he were in a 
another car that say had power steering and was not asking you know these huge physical demands so romantically i want to say yes and you you know you chose barber 2023 if we're talking indy 500 i have no doubt and this isn't romanticism this is truth as i see it is um place mario in a highly competitive car at the indianapolis motor speedway uh i think he qualifies right up, right up and around his teammates wherever it is you know if the team is capable of the best they're capable of is 10th or 11th in qualifying i think he qualifies right up there 10th 11th 12th whatever it might be um the physical demands on race day not so insane so i think in that kind of environment uh i think mario would be extremely competitive truly extremely competitive um mitsuki matsura you're asking thoughts looking back on kurt bush's indy 500 run back in 2014 you know it's something i'd love to talk with him about uh to look back on because it was massively underappreciated at the time I think he did. Uh, I think he did phenomenally, without a doubt. So, um, yeah, maybe I'll. I'll if, I think I still have his phone number from a couple of years ago, the last time we spoke. But yeah, uh, I would actually welcome talking to him about that. That might be a fun podcast to do. Uh, Andrew Miller, you're going to be our last question of the day. Uh, Justin Vroom, by the way. Uh, you're asking about Miles Rowe and glad to see that finally they uh, uh, confirmed his move up to uh, USF Pro 2000 next season. Had known about this for you know a good while, but um, didn't want to crack that open before uh, they wanted to confirm that publicly. So yeah, all good there. Uh, Andrew Bell, you say so. Fernando, uh, Fernando, good lord. Adrian Fernandez is doing a cart reunion thing at the Mexico Grand Prix. How are we still waiting for someone to put together an IndyCar event there? It's always a year away, seems, according to Mark Miles. Hmm. So you're one of those people, Andrew, who likes people's words that they say to actually manifest into action. I am too. Um, yeah. I don't know, man. Uh, Pato's popularity is as strong as it's ever been. Obviously, if he wins a championship, it's going to be even stronger. But everything is right and has been right for a year or two now for IndyCar to go to Mexico. Have a son of Mexico as its true uh, big feature and big draw. I don't know why. I Again, I don't know why. Maybe next time I speak to Zach Brown, I need to ask if we're, how do we start McLaren promotions. And maybe McLaren can... Uh, get behind making a uh, Mexican IndyCar GP happen to uh, help celebrate uh, our formula, which we love, and uh, Pata, who we love as well. All right, y'all. Thank you for everything you sent in. I am Marshall Pruitt. This is Marshall Pruitt Podcast. I'll speak to you soon.